This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Well, we are back again for another edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Got a good one for you today. We have a good one for you every time. But our guest this week is Sergeant Brian Taylor, who is the head of the Baton Rouge Union of Police. In 2017 so far, there's been a lot of conversation about the Baton Rouge Police Department in the aftermath of our new mayor, Sharon Weston Broom, taking the helm. She has promised some changes with the police department. She's Started that with the promise that she is going to have a new police chief. And that discussion is ongoing. I wanted a chance to sit with Sergeant Taylor to talk a little bit about what's going on from the perspective of the police department. The police chief can't really get into that dialogue right now for obvious reasons. But I think at some point, Carl Dabity is going to be here in the podcast 225 studio having a conversation with you and me about the last year and I look forward to that conversation. Today I wanted to get perspective on the way the dialogue is going from a cop's point of view and I think Sergeant Taylor is going to give us that. We'll talk a little bit about the way forward as well and the relationship between the mayor and the rank and file. For some of you, it will be a look at what's going on behind the curtain, what police officers are thinking, what they're saying, you know, what their hopes are about the next year and the new administration. So I look forward to that. As most of you know, I am very pro-law enforcement. I'm pro-police officer, pro-military. And... I'm not going to hide that or pretend that that isn't the case or that I'm unbiased. I'm a part of the board of a law enforcement foundation that's buying gear for police officers and law enforcement agencies across seven parishes. It means something to me. But I also believe in helping the inner city. I think, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, but some boats have holes in them. And I do think it's our responsibility to fix those that are leaking as best we can. And I'm talking specifically about young people. Some of the adults in those situations create the reality that they live in and are often unwilling to do anything about it. And for that, there's nothing I can do. But kids don't choose the environments they live in or the people around them. And I think we owe them something better if we can get it to them. That's just my opinion. I'm not asking anybody to agree with me on it. It's my time. It's my money. I do with it what I want. And in those situations, I choose to try to help. Having said that, I think that we have a gap the size of the Atlantic Ocean between law enforcement and some communities. And that's based upon the inability to build a bridge. I do think that there are people in the inner city who would sit and have conversation. And I know that there are people in law enforcement who would have a conversation. We just have to be courageous enough to be able to do it. And, you know, and you can't do that by name calling. That's just one person's perspective. 
And I hope we can get to a place where we can do that. Because seeing some of what's going on around this country right now as it relates to communities and law enforcement, it's disheartening. And everybody should care about it. I do think police officers are owed the best that we can give them. And you've already heard what I said about these poorer communities. And so today with Sergeant Taylor, we're going to talk about the reality of what's going on. I know he's going to be honest in the conversation. He's going to tell you what he really thinks and give you perspective on what the men and women of the Baton Rouge Police Department think about what's going on around them right now. And whether you disagree with him or agree with him, you're going to get a chance to hear the police officer's perspective. And that's what I want to accomplish here. And this is not the end of a discussion. This is just another part of a discussion, at least where Clay Young is concerned. I hope to have more. So uh, as we always tell you on these shows, we appreciate those of you who listen to us every week or whenever the show is up. Thank you so much for that. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes if you're an Apple device user. It's free. You can download it there. We just ask that you leave us a review there if you don't mind. I think it's a four-star show, you know, but I'm a little biased there as well. So we thank you for that. Brian Dykes, one of the owners of Ben 77 Bistro, the place that has hosted Smoke em If You Got Em the last three years and will again this year. He will be our guest on next week's show. And I look forward to talking with him about the restaurant industry, talking with him about uh, his time at Yum Brands and running a restaurant in Baton Rouge. And of course, because B-I-N, Ben 77 is the name of the restaurant, you know He is absolutely going to have perspective on wine and the wine industry. That'll take place next week. This week, we talk about law enforcement with Sergeant Brian Taylor, and that conversation is next. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. You know, John, people are often wondering where to go if they want to find out about killing ants, termites, spiders, mosquitoes, what have you, and it's a concern, and you end up in the big box store waiting for an answer, and really the answer is, go to a pest stop location and ask any question. That's exactly right. If if you're tired of the mystery all of pesticides, Mm -hmm. come see us, because we'll give you exactly what you're looking for, not only, you know, what to use, but how to use it. 
That seems to be the big question. Absolutely. How do I use a professional strength product safely around my kids and my pets? And it's very easy to accomplish. And you save money in the Ooh, process. A lot. So if I'm in the New Orleans area and I want to get my hands on the product, how can I find Pest Stop? Well, in Metairie, we're located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190. That's next to Sherwin-Williams or Villarie's Florist. And on the West Bank, we're on the Palco just past the Harvey Bridge. And of course, in the Baton Rouge area at 806 O'Neill Lane, Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Back with Sergeant Brian Taylor, who is the president of the Baton Rouge Union of Police. Sarge, how are you? I'm doing well. So this has been an interesting year so far and an interesting 12 months for law enforcement. All across the country, people are talking a lot about what's happening in communities with law enforcement. And unfortunately, in the last six months, we have seen a rise in the number of, of police officers who have been ambushed and killed across the country. Last week here in Louisiana, we had an officer who had stopped to assist a lady. Turns out he, he rolled up on what looked like a domestic issue there, and he lost his life. He was shot in the back of the head. Two weeks ago in Atlanta, a female police officer was shot. It's tragic, but it seems like it's happening every week. When you look at where law enforcement is now, what comes to your mind? Um, it's a dangerous profession, more dangerous than when I started this job 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, for whatever reason, the national sentiment, uh, people are against the police now is how we feel at times. Now I'm not saying that there's not wonderful people in the community and the overall support for us. Uh, we have seen, especially over this last six, eight months is overwhelming to us because we haven't seen that in the past, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, there are those that do not like us that want to challenge us or would rather see us dead. I mean, the sentiment out there is kill police officers. Yeah. Where does that come from? I mean, you've seen people throughout the years, throughout history, make comments about police, you know, make derogatory comments about law enforcement on television, on radio, in the newspaper. But right now, the tone seems different than in years gone by. Where has that come from? I don't know where it started. I guess most people would look back and say the spike happened after Ferguson. Mm-hmm. It was national news. Uh, there were the, the riots and things of that nature. There was the uh, false claims of what occurred during that incident. Sure. Out of that, we have these organizations that have arisen mm-hmm. due to that. And uh, they were putting out false information. That false information took hold and we're here today what does it do video that is out of context is always problematic whether it's political whether it's law enforcement anything and it has always been my position that i'm not going to say every police officer is a good police officer i would never say that there is a hundred percent perfection in any profession out there i mean i think we'd be naive to say that i totally agree and i think you would agree that when a law, when a police officer does not do his <clears throat> or her job, <coughs> I get choked up saying that, doing his or her job to the level of expectation <clears throat> that they should be dealt with. But 
throwing a blanket over everyone is a problem. Would you agree? That is correct. Uh, what people need to know is that we're human beings as well, so we are going to make mistakes. I consider right. myself a very professional police officer. I've dedicated my life to it. Yeah. But I can tell you that I've made mistakes mm -hmm. during my career. You know, it's human. Right. So then when the media jumps in and the way that it is now that it's commentary media all over, you know, there are shows that are based upon opinion and that's what they are and you shop that. But when the news is supposed to be like an umpire just calling balls and strikes and not nuancing it, that's a problem. How do you feel about New Millennium Media? I can tell you that they sensationalize many things, mm -hmm. and I believe the facts are skewed to their personal agendas. Explain. Um, to say that we are militarized uh, when we were doing the protest, right. just because of the safety equipment that we have, which you know... Right. Uh, all about because y'all right. have done a wonderful job with helping us with that. Foundation. That is Absolutely. correct. Um, it is safety equipment. To say we have a military vehicle, which is an MRAP, right. that is a militarized vehicle. No one called it a militarized vehicle during the floods. They right. called it a high water rescue vehicle. Yeah. And that's what it is, is a rescue vehicle. Yes, it is armored. We have that for our protection. We have to go into harm's way. That is my job to put myself in harm's way to protect you and everyone else in the community. Right. You know, it's interesting now because that phrase, the militarization of police, is a new buzzword that's out there. There's several of them. And it's a problem for me because law enforcement officers are going to have some of the same techniques and equipment as people in the military, but the mission of the military and law enforcement is not exactly the same. Not even close. And protect and serve is, is not the same of what our military is really in places to do. And I, I, I want to deal with the other side of that, but that in particular breeds reaction from the policymakers because they don't want, they don't want the buzzwords to cover law enforcement. How does that impact what you do every day? Well, Adding to that, Denzel Washington said it best. It's not about accurate media. It's who gets it there first. Yeah. We see that every day. Let me be Maybe. the first to, to get that alert on my phone that I put this information out. From the incident you were talking about the other day, they said the guy was in custody on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Then they had to come back later and say, no, he's not in custody. He shot himself. Right. You know, it was, let me get this out first. But the information wasn't accurate. And I believe it's who can get there first. Well, and it's a problem with what happened last summer. Everybody was speculating before they knew the facts. The other side of this is there are people in inner city communities who say, specifically black people who say, police officers come into our area and they treat us unfairly. They're rough with us. They're disrespectful in their tone. And we feel like they're more of an occupying force than a service agency to us. What's your response to that? I will say that in most of the high crime communities, which unfortunately the facts show it is the, the lower income black sure. communities. It, There's it always the most crime where people have the least. That is correct. Yeah. Um, so our presence in those areas are greater mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is because we are a stat driven occupation yeah. as you as I yeah. I think now because 
what we do is we have the technology to say, hey, this is where the robberies are occurring, right. the shootings are occurring, right. the drug dealing, the, you know, you Well, you got to go it, where the crime is. And we have to go you where got, the crime yeah, is. Right. So that puts us in these areas. Um, I think there's a misunderstanding about what the law is and what we have to do. Mm -hmm. They do not understand, again, that we are humans putting ourselves in harm's way. But for us to stop the crime and be proactive on this, we're going to make a lot of contacts. Right. Now, if you've been contacted three or four times by three or four different police officers in a couple of days, I sure. can say that would probably be aggravating to me as well. Right. But they're not singling you out. They don't know you. I've done it. I've worked criminal patrol before. I get out and talk to people. I am paid to be curious. Right. So, but, but the interaction part of it, speak to that, where people say they are mistreated, the tone, the whole thing. What's your response to that? I can tell you that I'm sure not everyone, 100% of the time, is treated the way they should be treated. Okay. Um, but I can also say that if you have a problem with the way that you are handled by a Baton Rouge police officer, there are mechanisms in place so that we can fix that. Right. Because I don't want to see that either. Let's talk. What, what are they? So if people don't know because the media here isn't reporting it or hadn't said it whenever a story goes out, what are those mechanisms? You can call the Internal Affairs Division. Okay. Um, you can call the district commanders or ask to speak to a lieutenant at the respective districts mm -hmm. um, and get something started. Uh, just know that we want you to tell the truth because right. I can tell you I've been lied on many times because that's they call it the game. Right. You arrested me, so I'm going to go complain on you because if I complain on you, maybe this will affect my charges when I go to court. So um, if you were truly being mistreated, we want to know about that. I can say that officers have bad days. They may have worked 70 hours in a week. I'm sure. not giving them any excuses for the way they act. But they may be just be having a bad day. They may be grumpy. And maybe they took it out on you and treated you not as professional as they should have. It doesn't make them a bad police officer. It makes them human being, and it makes them uh, a butthole at that time. You know? <laughs> it's a podcast. Just, you can yes. say whatever you want to well, say here. No FCC regulations. Well, you're in uniform. I get it. it. Absolutely. Uh, people talk a lot about the relationship between inner city communities and police officers. And rarely do I see police officers at the table when these decisions are made as to how to better build a bridge of communication. So let me ask you, how do you build a better bridge of communication and interaction? One, we have to be invited to the table. Two, we have to be able to speak. And I would like everyone that I speak to to be open-minded yeah. because what I would like to do is educate people on what we go through on a daily basis or what our families go through on a daily basis or what we do in training or what our mindset is when we're going to to certain incidents right um for us to be successful the community has to meet us halfway right i keep hearing police reform police reform police reform it's not always the police's fault can we do a better job every day we strive to do a better job but let's talk about some community reform, too. Okay. If you want us to self-reflect, I would like you to self-reflect and go, okay, what is our big problems here? Right. Let's meet halfway. It can't be an 80-20. It's got to be 50-50 for us to be successful. They talk about how community policing is downtown. I can say that the call volume is low down there, 
The officers that are down there have more time where they can go out and interact. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is everyone that is downtown is meeting the off or meeting the officers halfway. Right. It, that's an interesting thing. What you you say about you know, self reflection and people talking about community policing. Define from a police officer's perspective proper community policing. Community policing is a concept. Community policing says you put officers in a certain area, and that is the area that they ride or mm -hmm. patrol on a daily basis. Right. Um, this concept has gone way back. When I started, sure. I was working second district, and I was signed to a zone. Mm -hmm. The district is broke up in different zones. That is my primary zone. Well, back in 1996, call volume was a little bit lower. We had more people on the street, so I had myself and at least one other person in my zone. So two people per zone is what we liked. And I rode my zone. It was 7802 zone A, and I knew everybody. Right. I worked dog shift. I got out. I interacted. Um, they knew I was fair. Yeah. If you did something wrong, you may go to jail. Mm -hmm. There are times kind of the like, way it works. Well, there are times that I would give some people some passes right. on something that I could legally give them passes on right. because of the way they assisted me. Give you an example. I would never do it now, but I'm two o'clock in the morning. I pull up on a corner. People are hanging out on a corner, shouldn't be there. I know what's going on. I'm mm -hmm. familiar with this area. I get out by myself and I tell 10 people, put your hands on my car. And I'm going to pat them down by myself with 10 people standing there. Right. And you get one person that wants to chip their teeth. Well, I've got a guy over here that I treated fairly that knows me by my first name. And he goes, hey, man, he's cool. Leave me alone. I get around to him and he's like, Brian, here you go. And he had a little bitty bag of weed in his pocket he goes i ain't gonna hide it from you here it is and i'm like man you took care of me you looked out for my safety with these other people here because it could have escalated right and once i checked them out i'm like guys don't hang out on the corner you know i don't want anything to happen i'm out of here and he just looked at me and i just in on purpose i don't i don't right you didn't go to jail today you didn't get a summons today it was my officer discretion because I appreciated how he treated me. He did that because of the way I treated him. Do you think you get the benefit of the doubt? Do you think law enforcement gets the benefit of the doubt nowadays, specifically in Baton Rouge when we're talking about the police department? Absolutely not. Okay. Talk, talk I, I don't believe that. we get the benefit of the doubt. I believe um, we get all the blame. You know, it, it's all on us. We're the only ones that need fixing. Again, we're not the only ones that need fixing. Let's sit down and talk about the, you know, the elephant in the room. If you, we're talking about revitalization of North Baton Rouge. Well, you're not going to get businesses in North Baton Rouge with the crime and blight. The only way to get rid of the crime is for the police to be there. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line, if you want any success there, there are things that have to be taken care of. A Fortune 500 company is not going to build a business in North Baton Rouge if the crime and the blight continues the way that it is. I can't control the blight. I'll do my best on a daily basis to control the crime. Um, I don't want to see one innocent person hurt, right. killed. Um, my goal would be to never have to arrest someone again. My goal would never have to run another high-risk search warrant again. But that's not the times that we live in. Know that we're out here doing this job. These officers go out there after this summer with everything that occurred between the protests uh, where we worked 
hour upon hour upon hour to the shooting on the 17th to saddle back up and do the heroic things that those officers did during the flooding Mm -hmm. to as soon as that's over, we get bashed at the city council with all of these restrictions. And it, it was, it's like they just keep getting beat down and keep getting beat down. And somebody has to tell them how good a job they're doing because morale is the most important thing on this department, especially for uniform patrol. How is morale right now? I think they're in a, a, a wait and see. Waiting on the decision from justice? Waiting on the decision from justice, but also we have a change in administration. What you have to understand is if if there is an officer on our department that has less than 12 years, they have never gone through a mayor change. So this is is something different. I've been through, this will be my third mayor, but they've never experienced that. It's the unknown. And then with no dialogue, all you have... You mean no dialogue? No dialogue. We don't know exactly what's coming with the administration. You hear rumors, but what I tell them is these are only rumors. We have no factual information. What are some of the rumors you hear? I mean, we already know that, and she said here on on my show that it's her intention to replace the chief. And and she said it publicly, so we know that that's at least one thing that she's working to make happen. What are the rumors that you heard? Um, Who the chief's going to be. I've heard some some different names. I'm not going to say them okay, here, but sure. they're all rumor. Uh, but local it's just, names, yes, names of local people that scare you. Yes. Okay. Um, that's a okay. discussion for another day. I understand. Uh, but uh, you know, it's just the uncertainty. What What are they going to do? Are they going to do a civilian review board? Uh, are they going to change our policy? What's your feeling about a civilian review board? I do not like it at all. Why? That would be no different. They're not professionals in, or they don't have uh, knowledge of our profession. And that would be no different than I coming and saying, our Baton Rouge Union of Police wants to put a doctor review board. And I'm going to review how you did surgery on this person when I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) Well, what if it's a group of former cops? I think we have enough things in place. We do not need a civilian review board. We are governed by so many different things. We have our post standards. We have civil service. We have our union contract. Uh, we have our lauder mill hearings that occur due to our police officer's bill of rights where the chief has final judgment. Mm-hmm. He has a panel that he established, that he puts together with his commanders to have these uh, lauder mill hearings so that they can get together and see what the best course of action is for this officer that may or may not have messed up. Do you have, think uh, Chief Dabity has been f- treated fairly by the new mayor coming in? I don't think he was given a chance. Okay. Um, can I say that everything that Chief Dabity has ever done that I've agreed with? No. But he's the chief of police. He can't make everyone happy right. every day. Uh, he has done a wonderful job. Um, I think he has been treated unfairly. If the murder rate would have tripled this year, he would have been blamed for it. Sure. We know Went that down it, by 16 Correct. It went down to what? from 77 to 61 last year to the level of 04. Yeah. No one has ever said, hey, Chief Dabney, congratulations. Y'all yeah. did a good job and the murder rates down. But let it be double or triple. And he would have taken all the heat. Do you think Baton Rouge is becoming more divided along racial lines? I think we're headed there. OK. Um, but I think it's only by a certain few why because i believe there are those that are out there that are activists that are there for their 
personal gain. Right. Because the only way that I can remain relevant is if I'm stirring up mess. And then uh, I see you know, social media is terrible. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> Sorry, but you look at it, social Wind media. Wind me up I, like that. No I, see, question. I see things that elected officials put on their social media that makes my jaw hit the ground. Yeah. They're racist. They're divisive. They're completely not true. But you're an elected official, mm -hmm. so people listen to you. They take what you say as the gospel, and you're putting this false hateful rhetoric on your Facebook page, unacceptable. For when you look at the future, because the, the union represents obviously the 600, now how many members of the police department are in the union? It's around 92%. Okay, right now 92%. we're 641 officers. So I around 600, a little over 600 officers are in the union. Correct. So you speak for the vast majority of men and women who, uh, who work for PD in Baton Rouge. That is correct. When you encounter them on the streets, uh, either socially or when you're going about your day's work, what's the main thing they're saying to you about the way they feel now? Or some of the things that you are hearing from them consistently? The social media posts, the book live posts, the rumors. I have to dispel the rumors. Everybody just calm down. Uh, but what I do hear is... They think that our union leadership is doing a very good job. Okay. They know that we are speaking out for them, that we have their back. The union here gets a lot of press. <laughs> Man, too much. <laughs> for, for about 15 years, uh, maybe you know, gotten a lot of press. The union, as you know, the history goes, the union was you know, in, embroiled in a, in a fight with former Mayor Simpson over pay. They you know, stood up for the guys and they got at loggerheads with him. Billboards went up. The union had a relatively quiet uh, and, and cooperative relationship with mayor, former Mayor Holden. Who's to say what the relationship with new Mayor Broom is going to be going forward? But if your rank and file guys are nervous and upset and agitated, then what does that require a union to do as their representatives? To keep them patient until we see how, how everything unfolds. I, through my career, I think I've built a lot of trust in my relationship with officers. I'm straightforward with them. Uh, if they did something wrong, I'm the first one to say, hey, you did something wrong. You need to take your lick on this one. Um, but I just, they trust me for right now. And I, I told, they know that I have their best interests collectively, the department's best interests at heart. Yeah. And that I'm trying to stay on top of everything. Look, I'm a police officer. That's what I do. First and foremost, this is new to me. Right. You know, sitting here right now with this on and, and, and talking into this talking microphone. About the headphones there. This yeah. is far more nerve wracking yeah. than me going on, on a, a barricaded subject with sure. the SWAT team. Why? It's just why. It's not my comfort level. Yeah. It's not my expertise. Yeah. But you're a cop. Correct. And through and through. And, Second generation. And and so you understand the way police officers think. And the thing that I think the public has to understand is blue is the color that these men and women stand for. Black, white, Hispanic, male, female, college educated, career cops, the whole thing. It's a diverse group of people who represent the police department. And the dialogue so far has been so emotional overall 
that you can't really, and I said to the mayor, it's hard to get people in a room to talk when there's screaming going on or name calling going on. You, you, somebody's got to be able to say, okay, let's calm down. Let's have a conversation. Do you think this conversation is ever going to happen? And if you do think it's going to happen, and I don't mean happen because there's a tragedy that forces it. I mean, do you think people of their own volition will say, let's knock it off and go talk? I would hope so. But at this point, I don't see that. I don't see it either. And I'm glad you said that because I I don't see how it's happening because it seems like the divide is growing. There are too many personal agendas involved in this whole situation. Do you think your your fellow police officers think the mayor likes them? No. And why is that? I believe it started with the protest. She was seen on the Capitol steps yeah. uh, with certain people that were very divisive and that went against us. Um, some of the campaign promises about police reform and complete reform and replacing a chief you're changing something for the sake of changing. You don't have the information yet as to whether things need changing. What would you, if, if I know that you and she are going to sit down. Yes. If she says to you, Sergeant Taylor, what can I do to fix this? What would you tell her? Ask me questions. Let me educate you on the inner workings of the Baton Rouge Police Department. Let me show you the professionalism that we have, whether it be in policy, whether it be our officers. I want her to understand that we do not want bad police officers either. Right. I want her to understand that there are things that we unfortunately have to do on a daily basis that may not look pretty if it's filmed, but it follows policy and it follows state law. I tell people all the time, nothing against them, we're not firemen. Sometimes we have to go out and arrest people. People do not want to be arrested. Yeah. It's ugly. It can be ugly, you know, and back to social media and video. I can tell you, you can have the best video ever. It could be my body camera, but what I can tell you, it's only two dimensional. It will never catch the little kinesiological clues that we are taught when we're in the police academy. For example, for example, um, your eyes. Mm -hmm. I can watch how your eyes are. If you're, your 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 jaw mm -hmm. you know you're clenching your teeth if you're wiping your face sure. if you're clenching your fingers sure. there, there are little bitty things that i can see as i'm looking at someone like and go, reading oh, body language reading body language sure. is basically what it is i can tell you that will not be picked up on a camera okay it's just it's it's human things that we see as we interact here together mm -hmm. the the aftermath the current dialogue is a direct aftermath of July 4th of last year, the Alton Sterling uh, altercation. That is correct. It is in front of the Justice Department now, so I know you can't get into any of the details about that, and I understand that. And so as, as we record this, obviously we don't have a decision. However, I think I can ask you, with the dialogue that has come out of that on both sides, that Baton Rouge is different. On July 3rd, this narrative did not exist in the way we see it now. That is correct. So with Baton Rouge being different, how do we fix this to the degree that we can work together and, and that we, we are not doing what's happening so publicly now around our city? Is that a fair question? It is. And I'll tell you, we would not be having this conversation right now if it would not have been for that one specific event. 
We make contact with the public over 500 times, 500,000 times a year between reports that we respond to, traffic accidents, traffic tickets, hundreds of thousands of demonstrations and, and uh, that our canine division or our SWAT team, or our air support or mounted patrol, boo at the blue, yeah. you know, concealed carry classes, uh, self-defense classes for women, you yeah. name it, we're out there doing this stuff. So we have all of this contact. In all of that contact throughout a year, last year roughly around 17,000 arrests were made. Mm-hmm. Out of those 17,000 arrests that were made, I went back and pulled it and you look at excessive force, or not, I wouldn't even say excessive force, use of force, complaints. There were maybe a total of 40. Of those 40, Three of them were external complaints, which means someone came in and complained that something was done to them, uh, claiming excessive force yeah. that were investigated. Yeah. Six of those they considered non-human, which is probably a police officer that had to discharge his weapon at a vicious dog. Okay. Those occur yeah. often. Right. Um, the rest of them were triggered internally. And what that is is an internal review from our internal affairs division. And they have a criteria. If someone gets stitches for any reason, mm-hmm. broken bones are admitted into a hospital, it triggers our internal affairs division. They right. come out and they begin a review, a use of force review at that time where they are put on notice that they have to go take a drug test at that time and then an investigation will be started. So with all of the contact, with all of the arrests, if you take the six that are non-human away from it, you have 34 realistic reviews or investigations of of force out of 17,000 arrests, but 500,000 contacts throughout the year. So that's a point zero, 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 zero something percent. And see, this is the thing that 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 sometimes frustrates me now about the dialogue, you're right, is that this kind of long form discussion and understanding context is not given. Listen, anybody who knows me that I don't hide the fact that I'm pro-military and law enforcement. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be unbiased on that subject. It is what it is. Not trying to fool anybody. That's who I am. But I'm also a, a very big supporter of organizations and churches that help people who are less fortunate. I've given my own money, my own time to these causes because I as passionately believe in giving to others because to whom much is given, much shall be required. I try to help on both sides. And I think so often we don't get to this kind of place where we can sit and have civil discussion because often in some media outlets and by some of the talkers you get people who are bracketed as opponents. And so, and so in, instead of saying, here are the two you know, interested groups or the two principles in an issue that we need to find some conclusion on, we've got on this side police and on this side so-and-so, and it's creating this adversarial thing where we're human. If somebody swings at you, you have to fight the urge to want to swing back, you know, rhetorically speaking, of course. Correct. So... How do we fix this? Because to me, the discussion is more about policy and, and having people understand, okay, here's the policy. If you want something to change, that's at the policy level, all right? Um, where people live, 
I don't care if a police officer on the Baton Rouge Police Department lives in Denham or St. Francis. I don't care. But let's talk about the, the policy side of it. If you could just expound upon that and ways that you give me a scenario where you would be willing to sit with, say, the mayor and talk about things that she would at least like to see nuanced or changed or eliminated. Under which scenario would that make sense? That's easy. Any scenario. Her secretary called me yesterday morning to set up a meeting. What is best for her? I will be there. Just Period. that simple. Just that simple. We will, she can't be successful without us. We can't be successful without her. Right. So it hurts the city. It hurts the department. It hurts city parish. If we don't get along, right. we need to be a well-oiled machine. We need to work together. But we need to come into these conversations open-minded, with no prejudgment, and we talk too much, we don't listen enough. And that's both sides. So for your guys and gals who are hearing this, and and I know, because I've heard it, and I'm sure you've heard it, the, the, the thought about blue flu and officers feeling like, I'm just getting beaten to death. Why should I do this every day? Is that a real possibility? Blue flu is not. That okay. is not going to happen. Okay. Um, because we've taken an oath, and there are people out there that support us. Right. They're not the loudest. It's usually the silent majority Big that supports number. us. Big number. Correct. More than I would have ever imagined. That's one thing we did see after last summer, mm-hmm. and that's what kept our guys going, our guys and women. They, that's what kept them going. Um so, you know, that's we, not we, a reality. Blue flu is not a reality. No, not a, not a reality whatsoever. You obviously interact again with your guys and gals on a regular basis. If you were picking, putting together a guest list, in addition to some of your people who are on the police department to come together and sit down and have a conversation, if you were putting together that guest list, who would you invite? Just to be able to have dialogue for the purpose of having some understanding, brutally honest conversation, mind you, but you're intending, let's get some understanding here. Let's have a tough talk, but who would you invite? Oh, you put me on a spot there. A little Uh, bit, a little bit. I don't know at this point. But you would be interested in having that conversation. Let me ask it a different way. Who would you exclude? (laughs) (laughs) Look at that smile. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I can give you that list. Well, I have that list in my head. It's memorized. I'm not going to say them here. You don't want to say no, names I'm, here? No, look, I'm not going to start, what, I'm not gonna start I, anything. I understand. I'm, I'm going to be the bigger person. What kinds of people would you exclude? Those with personal agendas. Those that are out here making their living on divisiveness. Those that can say or do whatever they want, but when it boils down to it, all they see is black and white. And what they see in black and white is not what's written on a piece of paper. It's the color of people's skin. How do we make all this stuff better? Those people have to be excluded from some of these meetings because all they do is cause turmoil, and we can't move forward with turmoil. Do you believe your guys will work with the mayor if y'all can come to some understanding about what the way forward needs to look like. Absolutely. Absolutely. We wouldn't have it any other way. I can tell you it's going to happen or I won't be in this position anymore because uh, they're a reflection of me as well as I am a reflection of them. 
no, we are going, we have to succeed. You know, we're tired. I can yeah. tell you we're holding on. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for this DOJ decision to be over so that we can move past it because know, right? nothing could happen or bad things could happen. I, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm just ready for it to be over with. It's, it's hanging up there. And I think that's, that's a good way of saying it. Nothing can happen or something really bad could happen. And none of us can, if you can't wager on which way that'll go, you won't know until it happens. I can pray that nothing happens, but then if something bad does happen, uh, my, my thoughts and prayers are with our officers and their safety. What is the point of no return in the relationship between the police department and the mayor's office? Another good question. I don't know yet. We haven't met. Um, we are a top-notch police department. We're nationally accredited. Accredited, that's right. Gold standard. Right. To say that we need total reform is ridiculous, especially when you don't know the inner workings of the police department. I can tell you I'd be glad to sit down. I know there's transition team meetings. I know there's these secret policy meetings going on, and I can tell you no one from the Baton Rouge Union has been invited to either of these meetings. Um, which really no we haven't we were not included on the transition team but I get calls from people on the transition team to say hey I need this information I need this information well I get them the information or if I'm there I can give it to you immediately so consistently and we've been talking now for almost 37 minutes and several times in the conversation you have said in one computation or another that whether it's the mayor or other people they're speaking on matters that they don't have knowledge of, that people are talking about issues concerning law enforcement and they're not qualified to be speaking on those issues. Is that a fair observation on my part? Absolutely it is. So then, if, and would you say that the line share of rank and file officers be, uh, agree with that sentiment? Oh, yes, sir. So then there, and and I'm spinning this yarn and at any time, just stop me if you okay. say, okay, Clay, that's, that's, that's let, we'll stop at that point. Would you say that that has created some resentment because they don't feel represented in the dialogue? I don't know if, if that goes down through the rank and file. Okay. okay. I get a little bit more information from some from, of these. But that's your the, circle. So that, My circle. So if you had to, because you've been you, 20 years, you've, you've done this. If you had to give an educated guess, and that's what it is, it's just a guess. What percentage of officers do you think feel that way, that they're resentful, that they're, up, they're, they're included in a conversation that they're not really a part of? I don't know if I could give you a percentage, okay. but I can say the vast majority. Okay. The vast majority. Now, spinning this forward, there is going to apparently be a search for a new chief. Now, look, I like Carl Dabity. I don't think Dabity's a bad guy. Um, you know, I'm not going to jump into speaking on matters that I'm not qualified to talk about in terms of the process. But on the outside looking in, he has not been corrupt. Uh, he has not been unethical in any legal way that we have seen or that is that has come out. True. Those are no, facts th those that are we facts. know. Those are facts. And that even in a year like last year, where most people would assume last year was the most violent year in the history of Baton Rouge, we actually had almost two dozen fewer murders last year than the year before. 
Uh, but that is going to be something that's going to happen. There is going to be a search for a new chief, and that will pull you guys right back into the middle of the conversation. How does take out your crystal ball there? I know okay. you got a big tool back <laughs> here. How does the impending change in the executive office of the Baton Rouge Police Department in this climate? affect what you think law enforcement in Baton Rouge is going to look like going forward? That's going to all boil down to the choice. So let's say the mayor, who as long as they make a certain score on the test, she can choose from that number. That is correct. So let's, and, and, and it is her legal and constitutional right to be able to choose that person. So let's say there's somebody in the list that she likes a whole lot. They jive well with her, but they are somebody that the rank and file don't dig. Then what? Then morale goes down the toilet. Is that all? Just morale? Yes. That's morale because we we have to work. No matter what, we have to work through any obstacle that is presented to us, whether it be Political, administrative, natural disasters, uh, loss. Yeah. We have to continue to work through it. How does that affect your job if you got a bunch of unhappy cops out there on the streets? My phone, the battery will have to be charged several times a day. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's probably going on right now. Oh, it, absolutely. For people listening right now who don't interact with police officers and I think the majority of the people in this city outside of seeing a police car moving around they're not having everyday interaction with people and most people would say that's a good thing that means that nobody in my family is hurt my business isn't hurt uh, nobody I know is hurt and I wasn't in a car accident so I'm sure if they go through a day and never really interact with you they're thinking that's probably because nothing bad happened but for those people and for those who are watching this who are new to Baton Rouge you may be listening to this podcast, what message do you have for them on behalf of BRPD? Do not believe everything you read in the newspaper. Do not believe everything you see on TV. Do not believe everything you see on social media. We are the best and most professional organization in this state, and I'll put them up against anyone in this entire country. I've been around to schools, I've been to seminars, I've been to competitions for uh, SWAT, K-9, you name it. When you go somewhere, they know who the Baton Rouge Police Department is. Every year we go to a big competition for SWAT in Texas and on a yearly basis, they've adopted us. We're from Louisiana and we're going to this Texas organization, but they have brought us in because they see how professional we are. They see what our skill levels are. They see how we interact with everyone. And, you know, big cities like San Antonio and Dallas and Houston, they've adopted us. We have good working relationships with these people. Sure, sure. We're here. We're going to work. We're going to come to work and give you everything we have every day, no matter what is going on. But know that if you could take two seconds out of your time, just to say thank you or something, it goes a long way because we get beat down a lot. So one little thank you yeah. uh, goes a long way. I wanted to come back to this. We'll do rapid fire here and then we'll get out of here. The phrase and the constant refrain from people that the police department is militarized to that you say. That is incorrect. We're not militarized. Uh, it is a total different dynamic. 
We are, by structure, a paramilitary organization, but that is only in our structure and our rank. Um, we're civil service. Sure. So to dispel some, some information that's been put out over the last couple of days, people don't just make rank because of their last name. They score on a test, and they're put on a list, and it's strictly by seniority. Don't care what your name is. Don't care what your gender is. They don't care what your race is. It's where you fall out strictly in seniority. Meritocracy. If you, if you stay here 27 years, you will be a captain as long as you pass the test. Mm. Period. To people who say police officers unfairly target black communities, young black men, they go in there to rouse these boys, to cause them uh, drama, to lock them up, everything that goes along with that, you can spend that down the road. To that, your response is? We spend a lot of time in the black community because that is where the majority of the crime is located. We have to go to where the crime is located. We will make many contacts in the black community because that's where the majority of crime is. People don't like to hear that. That's where the majority of our murders occur in those communities. You are going to see us more in those communities than you will in other communities. We're going to where the crime is. People who say, Police officers will cover for one another, even if one in the rank and file is a dirty cop. Your response is? Absolutely not. We hate dirty cops worse than the public does. To the people out there who say, I support law enforcement and I feel like it's becoming dangerous, too dangerous to be a cop and I would never want my son or daughter to do it. Your response is? Good idea. I have children and... There was a time when one of them said, I'm going to be a police officer. Well, guess what? At this time, I'm going to send them on a different path. I'm going to do you know, anything I can to keep them from doing this job. And finally, when you look forward at Baton Rouge and the relationship between law enforcement and this great town, because I do think we have a great town, are you optimistic or pessimistic? I'm optimistic because I think there are a few that's creating this divide and if everyone on both sides will recognize that these few are preventing us from coming together and they remove them from the situation we can move forward uh anytime and every time you want to come back and talk here you know the door swings wide open thank you very much you i appreciate be safe it out there, yes brother. sir podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand if you've wanted your own podcast the time to call us is now this year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, let's talk about the emotion of investing. There's all emotions and, uh, you know, there's one fear yeah. and American greed, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be caught up too far on each side, but surprise. Yeah. Uh, too many people found out they thought they were invested more conservatively mm-hmm. and they actually were very aggressive. Yeah. And found out seven, eight years later that it was a big mistake. Maybe because the wrong business model they were with, uh, someone didn't ask them enough questions. How about hope? Yeah. Uh, someone who didn't have a plan was just hoping they had enough to retire. And they were, when they were ready to retire, they found out they didn't have enough or wow. they ended up in the nursing home. Wow. Or how about sadness? You know, your girlfriend or uh, a buddy of yours is going through a divorce and they're financially paralyzed. They don't know what direction to take. 
and they've lost half their assets. Mm. Yeah, that's that's tough talking to someone going through that. So give us a call. We'll put together a plan to figure out what your next step is financially. Income planning today. BrianLowFinancial.com. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on Podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 three mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. So there you have it. Brian Taylor, the president of the police union, our guest on this week's show. And you've heard his candid thoughts. Now you know. Whether you agree or disagree with him, you know where he stands. And I hope that this, as I have said before, will be just another part of a dialogue that we are having, or at least that I'm having here. I look forward to talking to any and everybody involved in what's happening here. I live here. I do business here. I want this town to do very, very well. And some of the real issues that are going on are often not given an opportunity to have long-form discussion, and I hope that we can be a platform for that here. I enjoy conversations with people. And also, as I said to you earlier, I support law enforcement. No doubt about it. But I also root for the poorer communities because they need the help. And Sergeant Taylor said, look, if we've got guys who are a problem, We want them gone, too. And just making, well, let me say it this way, just having an emotional conversation does not often draw a desired conclusion. It's just the truth. So here's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what people think about this conversation. Remember, you can email me, clay at podcast225.com. Or, of course, you can follow me on social media at ClayYoungBR on Twitter or on Facebook backslash Clay Young. It's been great. Thank you guys again for listening to the show. And we'll talk with you next week when our guest will be Brian Dykes from Ben 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. And that will be right here on the Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show.